wanna welcome all of our campuses to the second week of our series entitled Fearless. Come on, let's just welcome all those that are joining us. Baton Rouge to Biloxi, all over the greater New Orleans, of course. We're so excited. I wanna say this one more time. We're so thrilled and excited about our newest campus right there. It's called our Atlanta South Campus in Peachtree City. Can we just welcome them as well, man? So excited to have you guys, Pastor Jeremy and Lacey. We are in a six-week series every year in the beginning of the school year. I, I do a six-week series, and I teach one of the books of the Bible. Really excited this time because we're, we're looking at 1 Thessalonians, Paul's letter to the young Thessalonian church. It's interesting when you begin to think about Paul and, and his heart. Again, he was only there for three weeks. You can read about in Acts chapter 17. He was there for three weeks at, he reasoned in the synagogues of who Christ was. There was a revival. There was an awakening in the town, and people got saved. And, of course, Paul's now in Corinth, and he hears from Timothy how they're doing. And he, and he pens this letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he encourages them to stay strong in their faith. He also clears up any confusion they have about the return of Christ. By the way, in two weeks, we're going to be talking about the return of Christ. What does the Bible teach you about uh, the end times, the return of Christ, the Antichrist? All that is actually week four and five of this series. Paul talks about it. In this particular letter, he addresses it. But he admonishes them and he encourages them to stay strong. Everyone say, stay strong. Why is that? Culture was shifting rapidly for these young believers. There was a hostility to their new faith. They were, they were being persecuted for their Christian belief system by the Jews and by the Romans. And they were, Paul was saying, stay strong in your faith. Stay strong in your faith. He was leading them. He was speaking as a father and as a leader, encouraging them in their faith. Chapter 2 is a unique chapter in the Bible because I believe Paul addresses some things about leadership. Matter of fact, I do believe that we are in, in our current culture, a crisis of leadership. Actually, in every sphere of culture, politically, in the business world, in the arts and entertainment, even in the religious world, there's a crisis of bold, authentic, clear, and sacrificial leadership. It costs you today to be bold. It costs you to be authentic. Why? Because there's such a need for it in our culture. Leadership in some circles have been about how you can present it, how you can spin it. No, leadership according to God's word is timeless, it's eternal, it's bold, it's clear, it's not shifting, it's not turning, it's right down the line. I'm so grateful that we can align our leadership with the word of God that doesn't change and it doesn't shift with culture. How many of y'all grateful for that? That we need to be bold in our faith. God is calling us as believers to be loving and kind and yet bold in our faith. To be clear, to be consistent, Paul was dealing with a leadership crisis in that culture as we are today. There was people that were filled with fear, shifting uncertainty around them. And as a father, he began to talk to them about how to be bold in their faith, how to be kind in their faith, but clear in their faith. Today, I want to talk to you about the power of spiritual influence the power of spiritual influence. It's interesting that people get that confused. They think that being an influence is all about being a big shot. It's not about that at all. We're gonna see what the Bible talks about influence today. Speaking of influence, I, 
I did hear something funny about a young man who had just started a business and he rented a beautiful office space and he had completely furnished this new office and sitting there, this man walked in and the businessman, the young businessman wanted to make a good impression. He wanted to appear like this big hot shot. He picked up the phone and he began to pretend that he had this big deal going on. He threw out these big figures and wanted to look strong and powerful and Finally, hung up the phone. He looked at the guy that just walked in and said, sir, how can I help you? And he says, um, I'm just like the phone guy that came to hook up your phone, sir. That's all I'm doing. <laughs> Spiritual influence is not about looking like a big shot. It's about making a big difference for the kingdom of God. And we're going to talk about that. There's a big difference of being a big shot and big influence where you help people and you encourage people and you, and you press them into the kingdom and, and you lead, whether in the business world or the arts and entertainment, whatever sphere that God has placed you. Leadership, the way that God designs it, is different than the way culture designs it. First Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is talking about spiritual influence. He's, he's referencing his own role in the lives of these young Thessalonian believers. He's talking about there's a contrast between the world's way of leadership and kingdom leadership. The world's way of influence and the kingdom's way of influence. Influence in the kingdom of God, it's not about notoriety and position. It's about, it's about how you influence and help and enlarge people's lives. And God has given you a sphere. Every single one of us have a sphere. It's not just the priest or the preacher or the pastor. God has given you a gift of influence to be where you are, where God's called you, and he's placed you there for a purpose, for this generation. By the way, you're not going to be held accountable for generation 1850. The people that were born in 1850 were accountable for that generation, but you are accountable for the generation that God placed you, and I'm accountable for that. The Bible says in Acts 13 that David served the purposes of God in his generation. God has placed you where he's placed you, in the neighborhood he's placed you, in the, in the business he's placed you, in the campus, whether in college or high school, wherever it is, God has placed you there, and God has given you the gift of influence. The question is, what are we doing with that gift? You and I are called to shine, to shine in a very dark world, in a very broken world. The world is broken. People are lost. Our culture is lost. They are confused. It reminds me of when I grew up in the 70s, the things like milk, one day milk was good for you. The next month it was bad for you. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The things that used to be good are now called bad. The things that used to be bad are now called good. Evil's turned to good. How many of you know the world is confused and it's needing somebody with a loving, kind, caring, but yet prophetic voice to speak into the culture and say, this is the way, walk in it, turn neither to the right or the left. God is looking for you to be, listen, to be filled with his spirit, to make a difference where he's placed you. Where has God placed you, sir? I'm asking you. Where, what business has he put you? You're not just slime plus time. You're not just there taking up airspace. God has created you with the gifts and the talents and abilities to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something. Jesus said, listen, he says, you are the light of the what? Say it, world. Notice, not the light of the church. You're the light, You're the light of the world. What does that mean? Is that this little light of mine, I'm going to let, y'all remember that? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Y'all remember that? Where are you going to let it shine? In the world. Why? Because the world is dark, it's broken, people are hurting, and they need some Christian to step up. 
that need somebody to shine the love of Christ. We are the light of the world. We are a city set on the hill. God has anointed you. God has called you. This is not about the priest, the preacher, the pastor. You guys are on the field. We're all in the field together. We're all doing this thing called kingdom advance, kingdom influence. Whatever sphere of society God has placed you, God has called us with the love of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and the word of God to invade culture. We don't capitulate to culture. We don't, listen, try to escape from culture. We invade the culture with the love of God. We invade every sphere of society until Jesus comes back and takes us out of here. We're going to be preaching Christ. Let me tell you something. There's a whole trend. The way to influence the world is to act like the world. No, no. We don't act like the world, talk like the world. We, we don't want to, I don't want to have any, we are in the world, but we do not subscribe to the values of the world. And let me tell you something. God has anointed you and gifted you to invade the culture that God has placed you, just like Daniel was placed in Babylon. We're living in Babylon. How do we make a difference for God? Well, you make the difference for God the same way the people of God in the scriptures made a difference. You let your light shine. You live according to a different value system. You live according to the kingdom of God. You love, you serve, you're clear, you're bold, you're sacrificial, you're authentic in your leadership. God has always placed his hand upon men and women throughout the generations to be Leaders, people of influence. I'm not talking about people of position. By the way, let me clear up a confusion here, all right? Here. Leadership is not equal a title. I can show you a lot of people with the title that says they're a leader, but they don't lead anybody. <laughs> Nobody's following. John Maxwell, a good friend of mine who's been here many times in his book, 360-degree leader, he says one of the greatest misnomers about leadership is that people equate being a leader with having a title. Listen, you can have a title and not lead anybody. You cannot have a title and influence a whole bunch of people for the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 20, Jesus turns the ox cart upside down. He, he gives a different analogy of leadership. Here's what he says. You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them, yet shall I not be among you. But whoever desires to become great. Pastor Steve, is it right and appropriate as a follower of Jesus to desire to become great? Yes, according to the Bible it is. God has made you fundamentally you, you have a need because God has placed that in you in the image of God, the likeness of God. You and I have been made in the dominion of God to make a difference, to be significant in the generation that he's placed us. God has created you with a desire to make a difference with your life. Jesus said it. He says, whoever desires to become what? Say it. Great. What does that mean? It means to make a difference with your life. The issue is the strategy. How do you accomplish that? Well, the world's way is different than the kingdom of God's way. Whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your what? Everybody say it. Servant. Oh, wow. Whoever desires to what? Whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. The Son of God, who, listen, who left the glories of heaven and emptied himself and came down here. And he had a towel to serve. We have an opportunity as a church by, by the way, last week, uh, Mayor Ben Zahn and Kenner at our West Way location, he says, Pastor Steve, why are you guys out here doing what you're doing? 
right after I did. He goes, why are y'all doing this? And you're serving thousands of people. He goes, why are you doing this? I said, because we, listen, we have the opportunity and the privilege to serve hurting people. That's what the kingdom of God is about. How many of y'all agree with that statement? That's what the kingdom of God's about. Culture around us needs Christians who are filled with the love of God, who are willing to shine bright, who are willing to penetrate culture. What does salt do? He says you call it salt. Salt preserves. Salt penetrates. Light, it contrasts with dark. There are hurting people around us that desperately need Christ's followers to take their place. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse Four through nine, but as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, he's writing a letter in Corinth to the Thessalonican church. He was there for three weeks in Thessalonian, Thessalonica. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words. As you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others. When we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Look at verse 7. But we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God. It wasn't just about our talk. But it was also about our walk, but also our own lives, because you've become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. Three qualities of spiritual influence. I want to talk to you today about three qualities of spiritual influence. Number one, humility. Look at verse six. Nor do we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. In other words, Paul wasn't looking for recognition from men. He was looking for recognition from heaven. And there's a difference. Paul understood the call of God on his life. He understood what God had entrusted to him. Paul understood that where he was before he came to Christ. Somebody asked me one time, Pastor Steve, why, why do you tell your testimony so much. It's real easy why I do that. You want to know why? Because there's new people that come into our church and all of our campuses all the time. And I say it for them, but I also say it for myself. Because I knew what my life was like before I came to Christ. I didn't, listen, pull myself up by my bootstraps. I didn't just make my life better on my own. I know where I was when I was in darkness, and I know where I was when I was transferred into the kingdom of God. Paul understood that. And Paul was a humble man. Why was he humble? Because he recognized who he was and who he wasn't. Humility is recognizing who God has called you to be. It's recognizing the gifts and talents in your life, but it's also realizing that you don't have it all. No one does. Humility, according to the Bible, is dependency upon God and interdependency upon one another. Humility is not self-abasement. There is a virtue of humility that is really found in every culture, every religion for that matter. And 
Humility, according to the Bible, it's not self-abased, but it's not walking around apologizing the whole time. I'm just sorry about this. No, it's, it's, it's being sincere and authentic, but it's recognizing that everything that you have comes from the hand of God. Humility is recognizing that. It's recognizing what God has done in your life. It's realizing that you and I don't have it all. It's recognizing that God has put strengths in your life, but he's also put weaknesses in your life. Why? So that you need one another. You, you need, I need one another. Thank God on our team and our, our, our leadership team. I have strengths and, 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 and they have strengths and, and, and we need one another. Humility is not self-deprivation. Humility is acknowledgement of who God is and who we're not. It's recognizing that all that we have comes from the hand of Almighty God. It reminds me of a story of about a rancher in Texas. And a newspaper reporter, this guy was really successful, but he understood something. The newspaper reporter showed up one day at his ranch and he says, Sir, give me the keys to success. What are the keys to your success? The rancher immediately replied, Well, it's been about 50% weather. It's been about 50% good luck, and the rest is all my brains. <laughs> Did y'all get that? <laughs> but by the way, that's a very good assessment for all of us. The moment you think, because it's man, we're so smart, it's our intellectual acumen. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No, no, it's God's blessing, it's God's favor, it's God's strength on your life. Paul recognized, and he told that, that church at Thessalonica, it's humility. Humility is not self-abasement. Humility is dependency upon God. It's recognizing who you are and who you're not without God. Humility, as C.S. Lewis said, is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. Some of you may remember the great business classic, Good to Great, and very powerful book written by Jim Collins, and he, he said this, talking about level five leaders, and he talked about the highest proficiency in a leadership profile is when somebody has what's called a, a level five leadership profile. And they did this study of these great these people that built these great enduring organizations that last generation after generation. There was two identifiable qualities. Number one, there was an intense resolved will. There was, a, there was a, a determinedness about them. But number two, there was an extreme personal humility. Think about that. They recognized who they were. In the business, women and men, we, when, when you recognize who you are and who you're not, you recognize the need for your team. You recognize the need for feedback, the need for coaching. God has given each one of us a gift set and talents and abilities and aptitudes and strengths, but you and I don't have it all. We need one another. What is humility? Dependency upon God and interdependency upon one another. Paul was saying, listen, don't forget God. You need God. Romans chapter 12, verse 3, for I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. What's the converse? To think soberly, but not to think either lowly, not to think more highly, but don't think more lowly. In other words, have an accurate assessment of yourself. God has given each one of us a part. I had the opportunity years ago. Matter of fact, I shared this story one time, and I found something this week. This is so cool. I found something this week. And uh, when, when I was a young pastor, I'm actually still a young pastor. <laughs> I got to correct that. But when I was a younger pastor, can I say that? When I was a younger pastor, 
20 years ago, our church is 22 years old, Church of the King, but year two, uh, I had the opportunity, I was invited, and there was a group of pastors that had growing churches, and, and I was invited to Orlando to have breakfast with Dr. Bill Bright. For those of you that don't know, Dr. Bill Bright was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. Around 1950, it started, so it's 70 years old now. At the time, it was 50 years old. He was 81, he was dying, and and uh, so he brought in preachers, and you're able to come, and he had, you had breakfast with Bill, and he would pray for you, and he would share his heart, and it was a very wonderful thing. He died a year after this, and so we walked in. There was 15 preachers, and we walked in, and they sat me right next to him. Now, when I was a kid, and you were in school, they put the bad kids right by the teacher. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I don't know if this was like a sign, but, but I found the picture this actually about a month ago of this event. Can you guys pull that up? I want you all to see this. And it's a very powerful thing. And so they sat me right next to him and he put his hand on top of my hand and he was talking about the Holy Spirit. He said, Steve, don't ever forget about the love of Jesus. Remember why you got into this. It's because you love Jesus. And then he looked at me and he said this, Steve, if you have any thoughts, how can we get better as an organization? Now I want you to think about that for a moment. 25,000 Campus Crusade, it's called Crew Now, 25,000 missionaries and 183 nations. I think they have a billion dollar budget and I'm trying to figure out this weekend if we have a full set for our worship team. <laughs> and he's asking me, how can we get better? That's humility. That's not self-abasement. That's how can I learn? How can I get better? How many of y'all are grateful for great men like that, great women, great people that have finished, they finished their race? Paul said to them, we seek glory not from men, but from God. We want God's honor upon us. We want to rec recognize who God's made us to be. Don't ever forget who God made you to be. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever forget it. I've seen people come into our church their lives are busted. Their lives are broken. They're going through a brokenness in a relationship. They're going through bankruptcy. They come to the altar. God touches their heart. God repairs their life. They forget about God. Don't forget about God. Don't forget about God and your family. Nation, the nation in which I live, don't forget about God. Don't forget about God. We don't want to forget about God. Everybody say, don't forget about God. Everything that you have in your life, don't forget about God. Paul says, we look to God. The second thing is not only is there humility in the life of a person of influence, but also there's a gentleness. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 7, but we were gentle among you just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. Isn't that a powerful image? Wow. It's interesting that Paul notes gentleness as one of the key characteristics of spiritual influence. Our common picture of a leader that makes a big impact, that somebody that's, again, hard-driving or hard-charging or maybe even bulldozing people. Again, there's nothing wrong being hard-charging and type-A personalities and high-adrenalized individuals. That's what I, there's nothing wrong with that. But we can, we can hold people accountable. We can have clarity. We can be strategic in our mindset. We can hold people, again, we can be clear in our communication, hold people accountable, all the business people there. You can do that, but you can still have a heart that loves and cares for the people that you lead. Paul was an apostolic leader, powerful leader, strong leader. And yet he said he had a heart of gentleness. We have a heart 
Remember the point. The point is the people. That's the point. The point is the point. It's God's giving us influence for the sake of leading people and helping people and caring for people. That's the point. That's the template that we need to operate from. Remember the temple, Jesus? Talk about a balance. I know some of you think, my gosh, it's such a hard balance. And sometimes I go too far to this extreme. Sometimes I go, but Jesus is the model for us. Let me tell you something. Somebody that gentleness is just not somebody that doesn't have conviction, doesn't have bite and grip to their life. Do you remember Jesus when he walked into the temple and he saw the money changers and they were, boy, he picked up that whip and boy, he just drove the whole, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, there was a strength to Jesus. And yet he's also the one that said in Matthew chapter 11, take my yoke upon me and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle. Everyone say gentle. This is, this is the paradox of leadership, the paradox of, that we can have a grip, we can be clear in our communication, but our heart of gentleness is our care towards people. Le- leadership is not about, and influence is not about us, it's about the people that we lead, the people that you lead on your team, the people that are in your region, the people that, that God has called you to lead, wherever that is. Who's on your team? What place and sphere is God giving you? What opportunity do you have to lead people? The issue is, yes, we can be accountable and clear in our communication, but do we care for people? Paul says we had hearts that were gentle. The real test of influence is how people feel after you leave them. And the opportunity one time to see this amazing thing with, with um, Coach Tony Dungy. How many of y'all like sports? Anybody like the NFL? Anybody like? I know half of y'all. I like sports. I like competitive things. I I enjoy that. And I'll never forget uh, Coach Tony Dungy, the first African-American head coach in the the, um, NFL. Powerful. And he doesn't fit the profile related to personality profile that you would think. Of course, you think of coaches. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, of course, Nick Saban, he's tearing his headset off. You know, he's screaming. Of course, he does have anger issues. But apart from that, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have judged. God forgive me. But the point is, is that, is that sometimes we see the profile of, can you be this and that? In other words, can you be strong and clear? And it was such a wonderful interview. And here's what Tony Dungy said. He said, first of all, you've ne- watched this. First of all, you've never seen me with my other coaches. I'm clear. I hold people accountable. Of course you are. Of course he is. But he says, in my heart, the number one thing I wanted all the players that played for me to know is that I loved them. I'm asking every leader, every person of influence that's leading anybody at any level, do the people that you lead know that you love them? Wow. That's what Paul said. He said, I had a heart. Heart of gentleness. Number one is humility. Pastor Steve, I want to be a person of influence. Our culture needs us right now. Every sphere of culture needs us right now. They need followers of Jesus that recognize their dependency upon God. They don't forget about God. They, 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 they remember God in the good times and they remember God in the bad times. They don't just think about God when they're, when, when they're sick and when things are going bad, but they think about God when they're on the top. In the valley and on the mountaintop. They, they remember God. Don't forget about God. Be humble before God. And number two, understand the heart of gentleness. Number three, and I'll close, generosity. Generosity. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. I'm just bringing you verse by verse through this. Look what Paul said. So affectionately longing for you. 
we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God. We have to use words. We have to share our faith. That's called talk. But it's not just talk. It's also walk. It's together. He said, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. That's the walk. Because you had become dear to us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. We preach to you the gospel of God. You show me somebody that's made a difference in somebody else's life. Number one, there's a humility. Number two, there's a gentleness. They care for people. They may have been a strong coach, a teacher in your life, but, they, but you really knew they cared for you. Paul was telling this church at Thessalonica, if we're going to continue to experience increase and impact, number one, we cannot forget God. And number two, people need to know that we care about them. And one of the greatest ways that they know is the generosity of our hearts with our time, with our talent, with our treasure. Paul was, Paul was a man, a generous man who cared for people. He went over and above. He was willing to roll up his sleeves and to, to commit to people. I, I am so grateful for Pastor Doug Arman. I'll never forget, I was really struggling. I was a Christian and maybe three or four months and it was a Saturday night. My friends were really working me hard, really working me hard, man. They were like, come on, Steve. Come on, let's go. I'm 19 years old. And, come on, man. Let's just go, man. Let's get messed up. Let's just... And, and, I, and just, I felt this just heavy temptation on me. I just like, oh, gosh, what's going to happen? And, oh. and I'm telling you, it was almost like in the, in, in just, in the, in just, it was a divine moment. And all of a sudden, I get this call. And on the other line, by the way, it wasn't a cell phone. There was a generation when they didn't exist. <laughs> and I got a call from Doug Arman, Pastor Doug, who was affectionately known then as Brother Doug. <laughs> he said, hey, man, I was just thinking about you and praying for you. And I'm like, really? He was just thinking about you. And, and the Lord put you on my heart. Now, that was a whole nother thing when I became a Christian. The Lord put you on my heart. That's interesting. I said, man, I'm just praying for you. I'm going to come get you. I'm like, no, no, no. And, I, and they said, no, I'm going to come get you. I'm like, no, I'm getting ready. He said, no, I'm going to come get you. I'm like, wait, wait, no, I'm going to come. I'm coming now. I'm like, I really don't want, no, I'm coming now. I know where this was going. I know where this thing was heading. I was getting ready to get loaded in the French Quarter. Now I'm going to Shoney's to eat the buffet. I know where this thing is going. I know where this is going. By the way, somebody's in the French Quarter watching this right now. There is a Shoney's in Mississippi. I found out about that. But he cared. He was, he, was, he was generous in his time. Listen, I'm so grateful. People that are generous in their resources. But we, you know, you might tell you how most people spell, listen, love, T-I-M. Come on, say it, E. I'm so grateful for all the small group leaders. I'm so grateful. Pastor Doug picked me up and he brought me to Shoney's and we ate that shrimp. It was translucent shrimp, by the way. <laughs> that was not good for you. I tell you that right now. 
and just pray for me, encourage me. He was so generous in his time. Changed, something happened. You know, when I graduated from Tulane, I went to Bible school. So I went to college, then I went to Bible school, then I went to seminary, Baptist seminary after that. So I kind of did some things differently. And there was a guy, I'll close with this story. There was a guy at Bible school, talk about generous. That this is what Paul was talking about. You want to influence somebody's life? Humility, gentleness, generosity. You add value to people. You, you, leave be- you leave people better. Is every person you come into their life, is everybody leave better because you came across their path? Watch this. There was a guy at Bible school. He would come every year. Some of the buildings were named after him because he'd raise money. For- he was incredible. He was a missionary. Wayne Myers. You need to Google Wayne Myers. I think he recently passed. He'd be close to 100, and he, and he was a missionary. And I've told the story before to some of the, the you that have been in our church for a while, and he would have what's called live to give today, and his voice was kind of scraggly, kind of like mine. He was like, live to give, and he planted thousands of church in Mexico. He was just, he was one of the most transformational people. In other words, you didn't stay the same when you came across this path. And I remember in my heart when he came my senior year, I thought to myself, man, I would do anything to have dinner with or breakfast or time with with Wayne Myers. May God be my witness. The last day of school, I'm pulling out of the parking lot. All of my car is packed. I've graduated from college. Now I've graduated from Bible school. I'm moving back to New Orleans. This This is now May of 1993. And, and I'm standing at McDonald's. McDonald's, it's a blessing. <laughs> Tastes good. And some, I hear this voice behind it says, I'll buy that for that young man. And I turned around. It was Wayne Myers. And he says, I was up this morning. God put somebody on my heart. He did the heart thing again. And he says, I'm walking around school because he had an apartment there. He was a missionary, had an apartment there. He says, I just, and he says, I knew I was going to run into somebody, and it was you. And he bought my lunch, and then he, he, he came, and he just started telling stories. And Steve, be a transformational leader. Be generous with your time. Be generous with your resources. Be generous with, with, with your talents. Don't ever make it about you. And, 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 and at the end of that, I said, Brother Wayne, I'm going to ask you to do something. This is the last moments I'm there don't tell me God didn't design that and I said I'm going to ask you to pray for me and lay hands on me by the way if you're a new Christian Hebrews chapter 6 talks about the doctrine of laying on of hands there's an impartation of the anointing and and there's people that 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 have great anointings in their life and you want them to pray for there's it's it's the anointing of God that that will go through it's powerful you get around people with unique things and pray. And, and I, I asked them, could you pray for me? I don't care who saw me. I don't care what people thought about me. I said, I, I, right there, I said, put, you put your hand on my head and pray for me. And he started praying for me. Then he prayed in Spanish. Then he's praying in English because <laughs> he knew Spanish. He's praying in the space, all kind of prayers. <laughs> I'm weeping. I'm crying. And when I stood up, I felt an impartation into my heart. I, listen to me, listen to me. I don't know if I got all of his heart, but I got a piece of that heart. Paul said, 
Paul said. It's, that, it's, it's the heart that not only imparts with words, but also with your life. That's impartation. Man, I, 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 want, I want to be somebody like Dr. Bill Bright that finishes well. I, I'm probably at my halfway point right now. I want to make sure my second half is greater than my first half. But let me tell you, listen, every single one of you, number one, we've got to recognize it all comes from God. Number two, we've got to have hearts. Yes, you can be clear in your communication. Yes, in business, you can hold people accountable. But do you really care for the people that you lead? And number three, let's be generous people. Come on, y'all receive that word today. Y'all receive that. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at all of our campuses. Everybody, if you just bow your heads, I just sense the Holy Spirit here right now. The presence of Jesus is here. God loves you, and God's not mad at you. He cares about you. God the Father sent God the Son to die on the cross for you. All of our campuses, those that are joining us online right now, if you say, Steve, I'm not sure where I am in my relationship with God. I'm not sure that if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of of the Lord shall be saved. Question, do you know Jesus? Do you have that personal relationship with Christ? Maybe at one time you did, but yet you've, you've, you've drifted away, and yet today's a day to make a fresh commitment to God. Yeah. Question, if you die today, are you ready to stand before God? Here's what the Bible says. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church of the King can't save you. I tell you what I can do. I can point you to the one who saves. His name is Jesus. Yeah. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's head bowed and eyes closed, you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I promise you I'm not going to embarrass you, but right at the count of three, I'm going to ask you to hold your hand up high so I can see it. And we're going to pray. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you, one, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high. God bless you, ma'am, right there. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you guys up top. God bless every one of you as well. God bless you right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you. Bless you right there. Right there. That gentleman and that lady. God bless you guys sitting together. Church, let's pray with those that are trusting Jesus. This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Can we do that right now? Come on, everyone. Say, dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus... I repent of my sin. I let go of my past. And I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. From this day forward, I belong to you. Let me pray. Father, thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, can we give the Lord a hand clap? Wow, what an incredible message. As we wrap up today's service, I do want to ask, did you give your life to Jesus today? If so, wow, congratulations. We're so pumped for you, and we believe that this is the best decision you're ever going to make. Absolutely. You know, today the Bible says that you have eternal life. Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. From this day forward, you belong to God and you're part of God's family. Isn't that amazing? And as always, we want you to know that we're here for you as a church. In fact, if you need someone to pray with you right now, please let one of our hosts know in the chat. We have trained hosts who are ready to pray with people in a live private chat room. 
And we don't just want to pray with you right now. We want to walk with you on this journey of following Jesus, not just today, but in the future as well. So there is a link in the chat room right now. Just click that and fill out a short form. We'd love to hear more of your story and to point you towards more resources as you begin this journey. Well, with that being said, we can't wait to see you next week as we are continuing our new series, Fearless. Do you know someone who could use some fresh faith and hope to learn how to live confidently even when times are uncertain? Why don't you invite them to church with you next week? And as always, we can't wait to see you here again next week. Have an amazing week and we'll see you soon.